Well, good morning and welcome to Incarnation. My name is Katie and I'm one of the pastors here. So today is the fourth Sunday in Lent and in this season, we ask God to renew our faith. And we ask him to particularly to renew our faith that when we come to him and confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Or as our, as our opening song this morning says, not of fitness fondly dream, but all the fitness he requires is that you feel your need of him. And so we are using our Lenten lectionary this year to lead us deeper into our understanding of how we hear God's voice. We want to be taught and led by Jesus to hear God's voice in scripture and in our thoughts and our circumstances because that's how we will enjoy life with God. It's how we learn to be responsive to God's will for our lives. And I know that many of you, like me, want to hear God's loving voice because you know that it brings healing to your body and your souls. Last Sunday, we heard Jesus promise the gift of living water to the Samaritan woman. And today, by healing the man born blind, Jesus will reveal himself as the light of the world. And if, as our reading from Ephesians says, we are children of light, then we should desire to walk in the light and to bear the fruit of light in us. So let us together reflect briefly on the account of the man born blind and what it teaches us about being children of the light. And then at the end, we'll have a chance to practice walking in the light of God together. When the disciples see the blind man, they immediately jump to the conclusion that his condition is the result of a sin committed by him or by his parents. And they're generally correct, because if you're a Christian who knows anything about the Bible, we know that sickness and death came into the world through our disobedience and pride. But Jesus rejects this too quick and easy conclusion about this man's suffering. And instead he says, it wasn't that this man sinned or that his parents, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. It might be true that this man had sinned, and indeed he did. But what Jesus is pointing to is to the wider point of why he has come into the world and how we make sense of our own suffering, which is that our suffering is an opportunity for the works of God to be manifest in the world. What a comfort these words are to us. They let us hear the voice of God who cares about his creation with wise love. And over and over in the Gospels, when Jesus encounters men and women that are marked by limitations and suffering, whose, work, whose lives have been marred by sin, he doesn't dwell on their guilt, but he offers them healing so that they might enjoy life with God. And so he says to his disciples that we must work the works of him who sent me. For as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And by extension, if we are children of the light, then we must do the works of God as well. But what are the works of God that he's calling us to do while it is light? 
Or as Ephesians says, what is the fruit of the light's presence among us? Well, Ephesians says it's goodness. It's all the things that are right. It is to be truth bearers. It is the fruit of the king of glory's presence in our midst. It is the forgiveness of sin. It's reconciliation with God. And it's new life through him. And as Jesus demonstrates in today's reading, that new life is present and available to all people who want to see clearly. That new life is available to all who will admit their need of him. Jesus immediately and without the man's request mixes earth with saliva to make mud and spreads it on the blind man's eyes. I think we're intended in this act to see an echo of creation when humans are made from earth and then they're given life through God's spirit. By healing the blind man in this way, Jesus is doing a new creation by restoring this man's physical and later his spiritual sight. But this healing sparks a debate among the Pharisees because Jesus does it on the Sabbath violating all the rules around what tasks could and couldn't be completed on the Sabbath. And once the Pharisees decide that Jesus is a sinner, then the debate centers around whether sinners can perform, can perform miracles or perhaps if whether this man wasn't born blind after all. But what the Pharisees will not consider, what they cannot see, is that Jesus is from God and doing the works of God. And in fact, they go to great lengths. They re-interview the man three times, and they call his parents to testify in order to avoid the conclusion that's right in front of them, which is that Jesus is from God. Their hearts and their resolve are so hardened by their conviction that Jesus and the blind man are sinners. And so, at the end of John's account, Jesus and the blind man are both cast out. Because Jesus broke the law, and because the blind man, despite being healed, is labeled as a sinner from birth. But Jesus doesn't leave the work of healing unfinished. He seeks out the blind man to confirm just who it is that's healed him. He says, I am not just a prophet but I'm more than a prophet. I am the son of man sent from God. And so the blind man does what the Pharisees cannot, which is fall down and worship. And then Jesus finishes this account. The gospel finishes this account with a curious saying. He says, Jesus reveals that he has come into the world for judgment, to separate the blind who can be healed from those who will not allow themselves to be healed because they already consider themselves healthy. We are meant to be pierced by this statement. The gospel intends to ask us the question, are you among those who are willing to be healed by God? The gospel is meant to ask us to examine whether we have allowed selfishness our short-sightedness and our pride 
to blind us to God's healing purposes? Are we hard-hearted like the Pharisees, or are we willing to be corrected like Samuel? The call is to be imitators of God, so saturated with God's love that we are willing to be poured out even to the ends of our lives for the sake of those who don't deserve grace. And we are among those. We are chief among the sinners. We're called to allow God to help us look beyond people's outside appearances and to see the healing work that God desires to do in their life. I pray for myself and for all of you that we would be willing to be like Samuel and the blind man. That we would be willing to have the hearts of our eyes be healed by Jesus, who wants to give us God's light so that we may be light. And I know with all of you just how hard this is to put into practice in the moments of our days. So I want to invite you as we close my homily, I want to invite you to have a moment to invite God to heal your blindness. And so I invite you to pray with me. I'll just have like a guided meditation. And so I just invite you to sit quietly. Holy Spirit, guide our prayers. Help us to imitate you. I want you to bring to mind the most difficult person you can. Maybe a neighbor, a family member, maybe even yourself. And I invite you to confess to God exactly how you feel about this person. And now ask God, what healing work do you want to do in this person's life right now? What possibilities for them do you want me to see that I cannot imagine?
And now I invite you to ask God to give you an image or a picture of this person as he sees them. And then finally ask God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me this week? What step can I take to participate with you in this person's healing? God, we long to be children of the light, doing the work of your light, bearing the fruit of your light in the world. So send us out to do the world, to go out into the world to do the work that you have given each of us to do. Amen. And now as our practice throughout Lent, we're adding a moment of silence at the end of every sermon, and so we will have four minutes of silence. <laughs>